Well, good morning to everyone that is here uh, in the main auditorium, those who are with us in the fellowship hall or watching online. What a joy, a privilege it is to be together on a ridiculously cold Memorial Day weekend. What on earth, New England? What is this? I do not understand. That being said, (laughs) if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to the very last chapter of Exodus. We are coming to the end of our series in Exodus, Exodus 40. As you're turning there, I just want to highlight a couple of things that are coming up. Starting next week, we are going to begin a series this summer on one another. In the New Testament, you find a number of passages instructing and and directing and guiding the the church, this young church that's forming and shaping together, uh, directing it to what life looks like together, how to care for one another. And so this summer, we're going to work through that, those one another verses. Now, we're not going to be able to cover all of them because there are many, but we're going to hit some of the main ones and, and apply to our life together. With that, in mind and with obviously some things changing in our local community with respect to uh, mask mandate and and COVID-related protocols, we are able to see our activities with one another increase, and we will hope to provide more and more of those things as the summer progresses. Next Saturday on, I don't, I lost the date. What's the date? June 5th? Thank you. Next Saturday, June 5th, there's a women's brunch here, uh, uh, sort of bring your own dish, obviously uh, following the things that you need to follow for you uh, with respect to COVID, Um, bring your own dish and a Bible and heart eager to connect with other ladies. On Sunday, June 6th, following the service for those who are after high school and before the old age of 30, uh, we're going to have a gathering of uh, following the service uh, to connect and reconnect in many ways as the summer gets here. And so we hope to see those kinds of things take shape um, in the coming weeks and months. Um, so hopefully I gave you enough time to get to Exodus chapter 40. We're going to read the very last paragraph of this very last chapter. We'll consider the whole chapter, but for right now our purpose is we're going to close our series by reading or hearing these words from Exodus chapter 40, starting at verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel, throughout all their journeys. Let's pray. God, as we consider your word, we ask that you would help us to have hearts that rest and trust and hope in you throughout all our journeys, throughout all our circumstances, and that even now, this morning, as we consider the the close of this series through Exodus, as we consider the closing words of this chapter, God, would you do a hope-giving, joy-producing work in our hearts? We pray that you would 
be with us right now in the preaching, in the hearing, in the receiving, the believing, trusting of this, your word, we ask in Christ's name, amen. This Exodus series was planned before we had a pandemic, and we began it in the very early days of lockdown. Do you remember that? When it was just me, Linda with the ASL and Robert recording for months. And now we are finishing Exodus today, the week our city peeled back some of its COVID-related protocols. And just like how we are not out of the COVID woods fully, the end of Exodus isn't quite to the promised land either. It's sort of there. We're sort of back. But there's hope here. In these in-between moments and days and seasons, there's hope to be found in the midst of that. There's even joy here. Even though we're not fully arrived to where we hope to be. And this hope and and this joy, it's found in knowing God's purpose and resting in God's presence. As we consider the seasons of life that we go in and out of, the kinds of things that we experience, there's hope in knowing God's purpose and there's joy in resting in God's presence. As we consider the end of Exodus, let's Let's consider those things together that no matter what the journey holds in between, we can have hope and joy right now, knowing that that hope and joy will be in full measure one great and glorious day. So as we close Exodus, we close with a call, a charge to trust God through all of life's journeys, through them all, to trust God. As we think about this, and our series theme was delivered to dwell, it's a delivered to dwell with God. That's the point. God is rescuing His people so that they would dwell with Him. And as we think about that, we get to then dwell with God and having hope in His purpose and joy in His presence. That dwelling with God brings about a hope in His purpose and a joy in His presence. Let's consider together this last chapter as we wrap up this series. And let us hopefully have hope in God's purpose. As you look over Exodus chapter 40, the first 33 verses give us a sense of hope in that God is what God has been doing is He's been doing on purpose and it has a great purpose to it that, that we would be delivered to dwell with Him and that we would dwell with Him in His place, that that dwelling with God happens in God's place. And for us in the Old Testament and, and what we're considering here in Exodus, that place is the tabernacle. In the first 15 verses, we see the final pieces put in place for the tabernacle. If you've been with us through this series, we, we had a lot of instructions about what to make and how to make it. And then we had a lot of details of it being made. Now all of those things are being presented to Moses and he's putting them in their place that they're supposed to be. And so in so doing, we find three things happening in these 15 verses. In verses 1 through 8, they set it up. Moses sets it up. 
He's putting it all together. He puts all the pieces of the tabernacle in their right place and there to function in a certain way, showing how a holy God and a sinful people can dwell together. Because that's kind of a big deal, a holy God and a sinful people. How can they dwell together? How can they come together in light of those very strong you know, dichotomies, holiness and sin? And so the tabernacle is a, a visual, visceral experience, if you will, of how a holy God provides a place to dwell with a sinful people. So Moses puts all those things, the, the altar and the, the table and, and all the pieces of the tabernacle in the right spot so that they do what they're supposed to do and convey what they're supposed to convey. So he sets it up. In verses 9 and 11, we find him setting it aside. That is, setting aside for a holy purpose, that the tabernacle isn't like your living room catch-all place where you do like your eating and your TV watching and your family meetings. Maybe you have a room like that. The tabernacle is set aside for one specific thing, to lead the sinful people into the holy worship of their holy God. And so they consecrate it, fulfilling commandments that were given way back in Exodus 30. They set it aside. This is for God. This is so that we would have hearts that are Godward, trusting Him, worshiping Him, hoping in Him. And then thirdly, we find that in God's place is it set up, it's set aside, it's set in motion. In verses 12 through 15, they install the priests for their work. They put the priests in place to do what they're called to do. Setting in motion the place where God and man would dwell. God's doing this because he has a very specific purpose behind it, to dwell with his people. And we have hope in that. We can have hope in the fact that God is at work in our lives and in the church and through the church so as to rescue people, to bring them into a relationship with him in the context of the church so that we would grow in knowing him, and reflecting His grace in this world. God has a purpose for you. To be a part of this glorious enterprise of, of knowing God and making Him known. And this purpose is a recreation. As we've been moving through the series, I've alluded to and said many times that, that Exodus is really just a, it's a, it's, it's an echo of Genesis. It's an echo of what we see happening in creation. Exodus echoes creation, and we find it again in verses 16 through 33. As you look through that, and you find a, a, a phrase repeated seven times. Seven times we find, as the Lord commanded Moses. Moses was installing a piece of the tabernacle, and after each installation of that piece, it was stated as the Lord commanded Moses. Find that in verse 19, 21, 23, 25, 27, 29, 32. Seven times. Then after the seventh, we read this in verse 33. So Moses finished the work. And where do we find something like that? Seven things and a, and a little bit of a rest at the end purposeful. These echoes help us see God's purpose to reestablish a people with which to dwell. 
God's ultimate aim is to dwell with His people. But in the garden, sin wrecked people, wrecked the world. And the Exodus story shows us essentially the heart of the story of the Bible. It shows us the story of how God will bring about this reestablishing of of dwelling with His people who've been wrecked by their sin. And in the Exodus story, we find these things, and then we find these things played out over the scope of Scripture and in history, culminating in the person and work of Jesus. We find redemption and rescue from slavery in Exodus. How is God going to reestablish a place to dwell with sinful people? Well, He's going to redeem and rescue them. Then what else do we find? Well, he makes a he covenants and commits to be their God. We find that in Exodus, where he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And this is what that's going to look like. And I'm not going to bail on this. I'm going to stick to this all the way through to the very end. And we find then also in Exodus, grace and forgiveness. We find grace and forgiveness in Exodus. Grace for a wayward sinful people. Forgiveness for their sin. We find that in the atonement for their sin. The very worship system that they have then followed God's instructions in creating is to be a constant reminder to them of His grace and forgiveness for their sin. These themes in Exodus echo through Scripture and are fulfilled in Jesus. God delivers His people from slavery, calls them His own, and provides for their needs. We see this in redemption, we see this with His covenant, and we see this in the tabernacle worship system itself. It's amazing. God is doing these things on purpose. We can have hope in that. Knowing full well that where this all ultimately leads is that Christ fulfills both God's place and God's purpose. Christ fulfills both. Jesus fulfills the place and the purpose that we see here in Exodus. Jesus is, first of all, the means by which we can dwell with God. He does so by tabernacling with us. We have referenced this verse multiple times through the Exodus series and with great reason and warrant. But John chapter 1 verse 14, which we oftentimes use during Christmas, is really an awesome verse in showing us how the Bible is way more unified than we first, at first glance. And what do we find here? We find that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Dwelt among us is, also could be translated tabernacled among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Exodus ends with glory, and Christ brings glory to earth. He tabernacles with us. But He also fulfills an even greater Exodus. He fulfills an even greater understanding of what God is doing in redemption. I can't help but go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 10. Listen to these words in light of all that we considered as we move through Exodus. In Him, that is in Jesus, 
We have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in Him, things in heaven, things on earth. That's staggering. This this plan that God had as an overflow of who He is and what He then does through Christ is one that I, I can't get past the word lavished. God lavished this upon us. He rescued the, uh, the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt and He lavished them on their way out. And He was with them in every step of the way, even in the midst of their sinfulness and rebellion. He lavished His grace on them. Christ comes and does an even greater, fuller, lasting version of this. One that secures for us, as we had read earlier, an eternal, a forever redemption. And when we take all that in, as we sort of catalog all that, sort of kicking open a fire hydrant of God's grace and and seeing that even in the pages of Exodus, when we take that all in, my hope is that we have hope. As we consider that, we see that we can have hope in God's purposes while in the hard of life circumstances. That you and I can have hope even when life is hard. That we can have hope in God's purposes even though life is hard with all these various circumstances that are challenging, that are overwhelming, that flood into our lives unexpectedly, that last longer than we want. All of this, we can have hope in the midst of that. As we've seen in the pages of Scripture and unfolding in history and then experienced in our lives, and, and if not, then hopefully even this day experienced in our lives, God is in control. His purpose never fails. And even the hard things in life lose their sting in light of redemption. Now, it doesn't take away all of the sting that we can feel right now. You know, the hard that still exists, the heavy that's still on our shoulders. But when we walk our heart back to what we see about who God is, what God does, what that makes us, and how that shapes the way that we are to live, when we walk and rehearse, walk our heart back and rehearse our heart those things, we find hope in the midst of the heart. We don't walk our heart back to that. We want to try to tackle the hard stuff of life in our own strength. Or, the other thing we do, is we blame God and we let unbelief fester in our hearts. No, let's read our Exodus. Let's let's read the fullness of God's Word. Let's see in these pages the unfolding of His plan and the person and work of Jesus Christ. And there, let us find hope even in the midst of the heart. That's not all we find. 
We also find joy in God's presence. Joy in God's presence. Keep in mind that Exodus begins in slavery and ends with glory. Did you see that? That last paragraph that we read, glory of God is with His people. His people start off in slavery for 400 plus years. And it was getting worse with no hope, no earthly way of getting out of it. All they could do was cry out and God heard. That's where Exodus starts. And where does it end? It ends with glory, with God's people. There's joy in there. So does that ring for our lives. Glory matters. Glory represents here the the proximity of God's presence. It's with the people. But we know that glory is the radiance of God's very being. Who He is is so amazing that what shines forth is all we can call it is glory. And that is now with His people. And not only that, because of redemption and because of the commitment that God has made and because of the atonement and forgiveness that His grace brings, glory, this radiating brightness of all that God is, is now with God's people, and it's with God's people in a manner that doesn't incinerate them, but actually brings them joy. What would otherwise incinerate them, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, brings them joy. Why? Because of God's grace. Because of the fullness and vastness and the lavishness of His grace. All that He has done in delivering these people to dwell with them is is leading to this moment where the glory fills the tabernacle. And that's what it does. Glory is the radiance of God's very being and it fills the place. Look at verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The verb form of filled conveys a dynamic, ongoing situation. Meaning, it's so full, it keeps being filled. Think about that for a moment. It's so full, it keeps being filled. God isn't frugal. I can't get past that word in Ephesians chapter 1. He lavished upon us His grace. He is not frugal with you. He's not putting you on probationary period to see if you you hit a certain mark. What He supplies in Jesus, He supplies in full, forever measure. And it's so full, it keeps being filled. Some of you may be like me and and you need a whole lot of grace. (laughs) And maybe you feel like you always are needing to be filled back up because you just, the bag, like it just is leaking out everywhere else. Like you can't contain it because you're like me, if you're in great need of grace. 
Your great need of grace doesn't diminish the amount of grace that God has, not one single droplet. So full is His grace for you, it is always being full. So amazing. He isn't frugal. And so when we think about the nature of this and this moment that otherwise should not have existed, keep in mind we cannot forget that after being delivered out of Egypt in the most incredible ways, the most remarkable ways, like unmistakably rescued out of Egypt, and, and, and coming to a mountain where God was establishing His relationship with them. A mountain that was shaking and quaking and trembling as thunder and lightning. And don't forget those really loud trumpets that we still have no idea where they came from. Those same people who witnessed all of that took gold that God gave them and made an idol. And here they get to experience the joy of God's glory among them. Why? Because His grace. Because His grace. And there's too much joy to behold. Look at verse 35. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. There was too much we also find that in the moment later in the Old Testament when, they, when Solomon completes the building of the temple. So the tabernacle was like the temple on the go. And the temple is now stationary. It's the fixed place. And when they, were completed, when they completed the temple, the same thing happened. The priests couldn't go in and do their work because there was too much glory, too much joy, too much. What an end. It's such a wearying story, such an amazing story, such a, an incredible story. It ends with glory, and glory comes with glory comes great joy. And as we consider the end of this, we find that God is saying to them and has displayed to them and is saying to them, His presence will be with them throughout all their journeys. Note what is repeated twice there in the close of Exodus. First in verse 36, throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. And then the very last words of this book, a book that began in slavery, ends with these words, the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day and fire was in it by night. Think of the, the, the dynamic, a day and night, no hour of the day in which God is not with them. In the sight of the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. The last words of Exodus are God will be with his people throughout all their journeys. Throughout all, think about that, fully and every. Fully and every. Throughout all of those journeys. And think about that, their journeys. What are their journeys? Well, we know that their journey right now is desert. It's in between days. It's not slavery and it's not the promised land. It's in between. In all those days in between, God will be with His people. All of them. Fully. Every. All their journeys. Nine months into 
being the new pastor here at this church, we experienced a little thing called COVID, a pandemic. For the last nearly 15 months, that dynamic has had an impact on our lives in every sphere. 15 months. Just when, this isn't a woe is me, so don't hear that. Just when we started to feel like we're getting here, we're here, things tossed up. Maybe you felt that way over the last 15 months. Maybe you had a loved one suffer tremendously because of this pandemic. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you were faced with some financial challenges and hardships as a result of this pandemic. Maybe you lost some relationships. Or maybe some relationships have changed so significantly that you don't know what they're going to be like because of this pandemic. I would venture to say that if we were to go around this room or the fellowship hall or all those that are watching online, I would venture to say we all have some sort of story of how these last 15 months have been more than just an interesting journey. They've been hard. They've been hard. And as we come to the end of Exodus, we we see that they're still in between. And so are we. We're not all the way there yet. But we can have hope in God's purpose. We can right now have joy in God's presence throughout all the journeys that we face because of all who God is. Because of all that God has done for us in Christ. If we want to lose our way in the midst of our journey, just take your eyes off of what God has done for you in Christ. And all of those hard things of life, all of those desert seasons will feel so much too much. And we'll buckle under the weight. But church, family, we have a God who has lavished us with His grace. If you doubt that, look to the cross where all of His justice and all of His grace and His mercy meet. And what you do is not Work your way up to the cross. You look to the cross and you believe the one on the cross and you live. Amazing. So I encourage you, church, that we don't have a rudderless, hopeless situation. We have hope and with that comes joy. This great rescue that we have in Christ brings to our hearts hope and joy. And that hope and joy will lead to a day of final restoration where that hope and joy will be in full, unexpressible measure. When the in-between days are no more. When the desert is no more. When the journey is no more. Just a peek at that day for your encouragement right now. Revelation 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them. And they will be His people. And God Himself will be with them as their God. I can't read that and not think of all that we considered in Exodus. And in full measure here, it is at the end. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Why? For the former things have passed away. That. That. Both what God has done for us and what God will do for us one great and glorious day. Bring hope and joy in our days right now. Let's not lose sight of all that God is and has done and will do. God delivers people to dwell with them, and that rings true for us right now. And so may you hear the good news of the God who rescues and restores and renews. And may we all see in Christ the exodus out of our sin and into the joy of His glory. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would do that, that you would indeed help our hearts hear the good news, that you are the one who rescues, that you are the one who restores, that you are the one who renews, that you are with us through all our journeys, that you have a, a, in Christ a place and a purpose all fulfilled, and that brings to our lives a hope and joy right now. And God, may we all see in Christ, indeed believe and trust and cling in Christ uh, the, the ultimate exodus out of our sin. And may we see in Christ the ultimate hope that we have, a joy of his glory. God, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.